Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. We will tie Joseph's story to the arrival of our, our Savior, Jesus Christ, thousands of years later. The Lord was with him orchestrating every detail of his life, even the painful ones he would use to accomplish his will. So Joseph overcomes betrayal. And now we read in chapter 39 how, over, how Joseph overcomes temptation. And so if you're with me, chapter 39, verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, of an Egyptian, he bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Notice verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. So it's like a good luck charm, if you would, right? Potiphar's like, ching, man, I, I, I absolutely scored on this one. Going to get me a, a little Jewish kid from, uh, from, you know, south so he can actually, like, t- take care of my house. It says, and the, Lord, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had and his house and his field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. So Potiphar has a pretty good life now, right? Now, Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. Now, she wasn't asking for like snuggle time, okay? But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is, not greater, or he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do this? Notice what Joseph declares. This great wickedness and sin against God. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her, notice this, or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were there, uh, were there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hands and fled and got out of the house. Here's this really great picture and story of how a follower of Christ actually handles and deals with temptation in their life. Clearly, the Lord was the secret to his success. Even Potiphar, who's a non-believer, saw it. The Lord was with him, and we read about Joseph's life, that he was with the Lord. And what a great combination to have as a, a, as a person in this life, right? That he's, he's serving the Lord, he's a hard worker, and yet God's favor was upon him. And certainly, he knew that it was the Lord who was the secret to his success, He put Joseph in charge of everything, and running the the household of this top military executive, success was coming because of him. You think about, like, temptation. You think about um, that maybe we might get tempted in moments of our journey in life when things are going tough for us. But we find is that actually when things start getting better 
and God's favor starts to emerge on our lives, that that's when maybe perhaps we're actually at our most vulnerable state because life just starts getting easier, right? Have you, are you like me where your prayer life starts to amp up and it, it, it's because it's matching the amount of pain and struggle that you're going through? Does anybody else like that? It's kind of like, and the Lord's like, you know what? I allow certain things to come your way because, man, I want you to know me and to experience me and experience my power in your life. I would imagine that when things started getting easier on Joseph, that, boy, that would be a moment to say, man, I'm going to start checking out with the Lord and because everything's on cruise control. When life gets easier, when the trials subside, there's no drama on the horizon, that's when you and I as Christians need to watch out. The enemy's been planning and tracking us down. He's very patient. Peter tells us about our, our enemy. He says, stay alert in 1 Peter 5, 8. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Temptation doesn't just come when we have times where we're down and out. It comes maybe even in a greater way when we find success. We find God's blessing in our life. Here's this young man. He's betrayed by his brothers who are jealous. He's in a foreign land. He's away from the influence of his dad and what his dad would pass down as they were a family that were serving Yahweh. He's outside of that kind of, you know, like a kid to college for the first time, right? I'm not even going to get a show of hands, but you know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, out of the influence of mom and dad, there's no curfew. Boy, you can get in a lot of trouble. He's in a place where sexual morality was the norm. And God lets us know that he was handsome. Like Joseph, there's not a lot of people in the, the Bible that describes handsome, but like we're talking stunning features, chiseled abs, you know what I mean? Like this is Joseph, this handsome man. He's powerful, he's in charge, he's handsome. Perhaps she was neglected. Chris Harrison comes out and says, behold, your new bachelor, Joseph. And Potiphar's wife's like, hey, sign me up for that season, right? To stand in the face of temptation. To stand in the face of temptation and overcoming it is difficult. There's no person in the world that hasn't been tempted, including Jesus Christ. To be tempted is not sin. You cannot stop being tempted in your life. You can control how you respond to that temptation. You can control to the, 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 the areas that you allow your life to go to be exposed to temptation. But temptation is not sin. It's the decision that you make, right? Each one of us has a sinful nature. Like we have a pilot light that is always lit until these bodies are done away with, we receive a new body in heaven. But you have sin and I have sin that dwells within us. And that pilot light is always lit. When the right opportunity strikes, man, it's amazing how that, that pilot light fuels up and turns into a rage of fire. No one has been uh, excluded from temptation, not even Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has never sinned. That's why he's able to be a perfect sacrifice in my place, in your place, on the cross. Temptations all around believers. Sometimes we can feel like, man, nobody experiences it the way I do. Boy, I have a, 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 like an, an elite type, you know, pro-level type temptation that comes my way. You know what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10? It says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, notice this, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Being an overcomer in the face of temptation, it's possible, as Paul declares, and he himself found out time and time again. 
The, the reason why this is so important in the story of Joseph is that God was getting ready to raise Joseph up to be the, the, the prime minister, if you would, of Egypt. He's going to be the most powerful man in, the, in, in, in this world empire, Egypt. One day, he's going to be second only to Pharaoh. And these moments of overcoming betrayal and bitterness and that trump card of you don't know what I've been through and overcoming now this moment of temptation that stands before him are critical for him to be able to fulfill the calling that God actually has on his life. So here's Joseph facing this temptation. His character was vital in this process as God was going to use his broken and painful road to bring him to that place as second in command in the known world. He could have given in. He could have said, no one will know, right? What does it matter? So much has happened to me. He's alone. He's in charge. He has more freedom. So the temptation comes. It's easy to justify. Hey, this isn't that big of a deal. That's that's what we hear from the enemy, right? This um, compromise. It's a small little compromise. It's a tiny little compromise. Never once have I heard a person's story say, so what happened to you? Well, the devil knocked on my door. And he offered me a life of addiction to drugs and struggles and divorce and pain and, you know, all kinds of mess. And I'm like, man, that that sounds a lot better than what I had planned this year, right? That's not the way it goes. It's a small little step. It's a small little compromise. And it's in those kinds of moments that you're beginning to set up the kind of life that you're going to live, a life that is running from temptation, standing strong in the face of temptation, being an overcomer or being one that is overcome and continually finding this mess in life. Compromise starts small, but it always ends in, uh, in, in, in destruct, destructive ways. You know, why is sin bad? You know, the Bible confirms that sin is pleasurable for a season. That's what the book of Hebrews says, right? But why is sin bad? Is it, is, it's not bad because it's sin. It's sin because it's bad. When the kids were young, and they would be doing some things that knucklehead boys do in the whole household, right? And then they might be playing with, you know, I don't know, something dangerous. Uh, they might have a sword outside. It's real stories. <laughs> they, they might have a sword, like a samurai sword outside. <laughs> or they might be, you know, like, you know, throwing knives at, you know, uh, fences that have slats in them where the other people and children are playing behind that very said fence. <laughs> or they might have knives out. And gee, here comes dad, the fun police. Hey, you kids, you can't be wielding these butcher knives at each other. You're, just, you're, not, you're not Jack Sparrow. You know what I mean? Captain Jack Sparrow, one will remark. It's not, it's not uh, bad because it's sin. It's sin because it's bad and destructive for you. Think of the Ten Commandments, right? Let's pick one. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands. How many of our lives would be less affected in a negative, painful way if whoever, including ourselves, had obeyed that one command? How different would life be? So you get it, man. Sin, it's, it's, it's sin because it's bad and destructive. That's why it's important for you and I to learn how to become overcomers. See, God's best for us is in his will, following his ways always leads to a life of peace and blessing, right? Giving into our flesh and desires, it leads to despair and destruction 
always, and everyone faces temptation. This was very real for Joseph. Let me ask you, what is it for you? Where do you battle most to stay on track with the Lord? Is it giving into some substance? Is it giving into, you know, uh, you know whatever the, the sinful temptation might be for your life? If you tend to think of only sexual sin, when we talk about temptation, certainly we see it in the story of David and Bathsheba and, and his uh, inability to overcome that lust in that moment of he yielded to temptation and gave in and committed adultery, which caused a massive disruption for his family. We look at Joseph and Potiphar, and here's this, this moment in time where he's being tempted uh, in a sexual way. Uh, it sure has ruined tens of thousands of lives and marriages and families, but temptation comes to us in many ways, right? Uh, it's been described that we get tempted with material lust. This is the lust for things, right? Boats and cars. And again, these are amoral things, but, but the, the, the things that atta- we attach to them, like uh, my status and my pride that if I have this and, and I achieve this, houses, cars, boats, whatever, it, it's, it's, it's your purpose in actually seeking after these things, right? Personal temptations, this lust for power and fame and reputation, or sensual temptations, certainly the lust for sexual sin, but also laziness and overindulgence of food and wine. We're tempted to be greedy, right? We're tempted to have and allow impure thoughts and actions to take root in our lives, to have unloving attitudes and responses to people that hurt us and wound us, to allow hatred and bitterness, and even using words like gossip and and slander and harshness with our tone with people, you know, we're tempted to respond and lash out. We're tempted to hold on to a grudge and seek revenge when God calls us to forgive, something that Joseph learned very uh, painfully. We, we get tempted to compromise in our business lives, right? Well, this is just a gray area, but you know it's a black and white issue, right? Uh, we're tempted to be proud about our face, our place, or even grace, someone has said. You know, how you look and appear and where you're from and your status in that area you're from. Or even your religious achievements. I can't think of something more gross and grotesque in God's sight than you and I standing up in pride saying, Lord, you're pretty lucky, aren't you, right? As we walk around with people thinking that we're so great. We all face it. We're a work in progress. That's what discipleship is. We spend time in God's word. We spend time confession and confessing to one another our struggles. We confess to God, right? We seek out fellowship that will help us grow and become more and more Christ-like. You'll never get to the spot where you're sinless as a Christian, but a Christian that is pursuing Jesus Christ will sin and give into temptation less in their life. So how do we overcome when temptation to compromise comes. We look at Joseph's life, we look at just some practical, uh, biblical, you know, examples also and some principles, if you would, to put into place in our life. And so, if, you know, if you're jotting some stuff down, man, write it down in your Bible, that little notebook, somebody's hand. Here's the first step, I think, we look at Joseph's life in overcoming temptation. Number one is this. Stay far from the edge of the cliff of temptation. Stay far from the edge of the cliff of temptation. Avoid putting yourself in compromising positions. Notice what it tells us in verse 10 again. Joseph avoided her advances. She kept, pulling, uh, pre- uh, excuse me. she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Romans 13, 14 tells us, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, his character, And make no provision for our flesh 
to gratify its desires. You and I need to know ourselves well. Because let me tell you, your enemy, the devil, he knows you better than you know yourself. You need to know what you struggle with. You need to know areas that you need to stay away from. Instead of going up to the edge of the cliff, just going, look at all these busted and broken lives down here. Oh my gosh. It's kind of attractive, you know what I mean? And then the winds of temptation come and blow you right off the cliff. Stay far from the edge of the cliff of temptation. What do you struggle with? I mean, right now, this is where it gets down to, like, we don't come and just listen to, you know, a nice little Bible talk, you know, to sort of check it off the, the, the list. It's like, Lord, I'm, I'm seeking to know you more. I want you to have more control of my life. And there's some areas that all of us struggle with, different for each one of us. But what's yours? If you struggle with, you know, viewing pornography, stay farther away from the cliff of temptation. Spend some time getting some software in place, cutting some channels out of your, you know, television station. Talking to a friend and letting them know your battle and your struggle, right? Delete some apps off your phone. If it's a flirty relationship brewing at work, be wise and remove yourself, right? Don't text, find reasons to be around that person. There's a man who was struggling with, um, he wanted to like kind of get control of his appetite and his diet, but he knew he had a meeting downtown. He's like, okay, my favorite donut shop is right there by the meeting. Okay, Lord, here's the deal. If it's your will for me to stop and have a donut today, let there be a front stall in front of the donut shop. And sure enough, there was his seventh time around the block. Right? Just, All right, Lord, I'm giving you one more opportunity to let me know. I'm kind of, I'm, I don't know. Right? Be wise enough when you have a sober mind. Do you know when you have a sober mind? I'm not talking about being intoxicated with substance or alcohol. I'm talking right now in this moment. There's something right now in your head saying, don't give in to that temptation, revenge, uh, whatever it would be. This is sobriety right now, where we have the God's word open, where we're saying, Lord, I want to live a life that's honoring to you. This is that moment you go, what do I need to put in place in my life to get as far from that cliff as possible so that when the wind of temptation comes, I'm not so easily blown off the side of it. Many times people fall because they think that they're strong enough to sort of hang by the edge, right? It's not true. Stronger people, stronger women, stronger men in this room have succumbed to temptation. For you and I to think that we're, you know, we've got it down, man. We've got it down. It's not true. Do you find yourself seeing how close you can get without total destruction? You see, Joseph had dreams that God was going to fulfill, and they meant more to him than that temporary pleasure that he would experience. So he refused her advances, and he stayed away. Here's something else I find in Scripture, a principle that helps us uh, overcome temptation. Number two is this, hiding God's word in our heart. Hiding God's word in your heart. D.L. Moody, he was a man, a great preacher that God used mightily to lead thousands and hundreds of thousands to Christ. He wrote in the back of his Bible, this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. I find that true in my life. Allowing God's word to saturate your soul, allowing God's truth to sort of give you instruction and wisdom and what you should do and how you should live, you'll find as you hide it in your heart, you meditate on it, you consume it, that you will actually become a person who has the ability 
and a greater way to overcome temptation. Notice what he says. You know, he doesn't have a Bible. He doesn't have a little pocket New Testament like, well, hold up, Potiphar's wife. Let me just look at what the Bible says. He knew, passed down from Abraham, Isaac, his father Jacob, even in their mess, he says, how could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He understood what, where God was at when it came to adultery. He was clear on what was sin, and he, uh, and he rejected it based on that truth that was passed down to him. This is, what God's, this is how God wants you and I to live, we find in God's word. And when you honor him, you're blessed. And when you choose to go your own way, you find a mess. Jesus used God's word uh, when he was tempted by Satan. Satan came to him and said, hey, you look hungry. Uh, you know, uh, since you're the son of God, turn this stone into a piece of bread, right? And Jesus said to him, man does not live by bread alone, quoting out of Deuteronomy, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth, the mouth of God. Do you have a verse that you hang on to? Is there a verse you meditate on, think about, you've got it written down somewhere? We're just like, man, this is going to be my go-to verse in those moments that I'm struggling and facing temptation. Jesus shows us how to overcome with the word. We overcome Satan's seductive lies and temptations by shining God's truth upon them. Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11, David wrote this, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hiding God's word in your heart gives you now the ability and internal strength, if you would, to actually like, understand the lies that are coming our way, the deception that's there, to have the ability to know that this is a bad decision. And it gives you like a, a strength, a spiritual strength to overcome temptation. Here's a third one. Think about the consequences. Would it be awesome for those of you that are over 40? I was going to say, to go back to high school. No, that wouldn't be very great. But to have the wisdom that you have based on your messes that you've created and my messes I've created to go back and have like a control-alt-delete kind of moment in life, boy, how different would things be, right? Bitcoin, we probably would have put some money there. Uber, right? And then maybe not have some big mistakes that we've gone through. Fortunately, God works in our messes, and his grace covers our sin, and we get to learn and pass on that wisdom to other people, and certainly for our own lives. But I think a lot would change for us, wouldn't it, if we think about the consequences ahead of time. There's a law of the harvest. You take an apple seed, you plant that apple seed into the ground, and behold, what comes up? Well, nothing in the valley, because we don't have any water. But imagine if we had water. An apple tree, right? It's nature. It's also spiritual. Paul tells us, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person plants in their life, that's what they'll reap. And he says, if you sow or plant to the things of the flesh, from the flesh you'll reap destruction. If you sow to the things of the Spirit, plant the things that are like godly things that God is wanting in your life, you know, that you will begin to reap a spiritual harvest of blessing. You give in to those desires, you're planting seeds, and you will reap destruction. That's what happens. James tells us in James 1 that sin brings death. It does to so many good things that God wants for your life and my life. Grace covers our sin. I'm so grateful for God's grace, but you can't reverse the repercussions of our decisions that we make. The workers might be fooled. Potiphar might have been fooled, but God wasn't fooled, who says in his word that sin has consequences and sin brings forth death. 
See, Joseph was convinced that God had a greater plan for his life, and that compromise would ruin it. If I compromise here, what's it going to lead to? Sin will take over your life. I see it happen all the time. See sin for what it is. Great wickedness. It's what sent Jesus to the cross. You think about the consequences also about the, the tiny habits that you're sowing in your life. You're like, oh, I'm young. I can sleep around. You know, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But you're planting habits in your life, and you get to that spot where you say, I do, and I'll never disrupt this marriage or cheat on you or ever be dishonorable to you. Like, you know, you're the final one for me. Here's the final rose, right? Lots of bachelor imagery going on here. Can I just make a confession? I don't watch The Bachelor anymore. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not a Boy Scout, but I'm not lying right now. You can ask Tammy. <laughs> I don't watch The Bachelor anymore. I need, to th- I need to throw that out too because I'm trying to be honest and truthful. We have the Word of God open here. I'm a pastor. <laughs> to think that you'll be able to pump the brakes on a habitual lifestyle of compromise is ludicrous. All because you stand there on some beach and say, oh my gosh, I love you. I'm so grateful for all these guests because we're going to get rad presents we can send back to Amazon. (laughs) It's not the way it works. There's consequences of building the habit of compromise. You want to have a marriage, young people who you think one day, I want to get married. Your choices right now and how you interact with that boyfriend or girlfriend is going to set you up for how you will handle pressures of life when you get married one day. It's just the way it works. Here's a fourth one. Practice fleeing temptation. Joseph ran. Don't hang around to see if you have enough strength to endure it. He lost his cloak, but he kept his character. Think about that. He ran out. So his, his outer cloak, so he's, essentially he ran out as like boxer briefs and jockey, you know, V-neck. There he is out on the road. There was like, okay, what's going on with Joseph today? His, his decision to not compromise actually cost him, as we find that it actually creates a scenario where he gets thrown into another prison and becomes enslaved again. God will always show us this, the, the escape route. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we read about that. 2 Timothy 2, 2, 22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Run. Run. Instead, pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Practice fleeing from the smallest compromise. Say no a lot in your life, Right? Look yourself in the mirror in the morning and say, Gordon, no. Whatever your name is, no. When someone does something at work and you want to blow up at them and send them a nasty text, no. Don't give in to compromise. You'll find that you'll you'll fuel a strength in your life. Practice running, right? The Bible doesn't tell us to flee for no reason. You, You hang around and you'll get caught up. What fuels temptation in your life? What right now is God telling you, run? Run, Forrest, run. Like, get out of this situation. 
We have moments, I think, in our lives where we hear a message over and over and over again, you know, like it might feel like a parent. Maybe you were a parent like this. We were at times. My mom certainly was. Okay, I've told you now the billionth time, you know what I mean? She's like, you know, I've had it up to here. And I'm like, I know you got three more feet of here because of just the way we've done life together for the last 18 years, you know what I mean? But God doesn't waste his warnings. What right now is the Holy Spirit telling you, run, get out. Something that you think you're mature enough to handle, you got to run. You read on, and this moment, you would think that God says, oh, Joseph, because you made this decision, you're going to experience such a blessing because you ran out of the house. In verse 13, it says, And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and he had fled out of the house, she called to the men of the house, saying, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me, and he fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his, her master, his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left her, his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard these words that his wife spoke, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. I think his anger was kindled that he was losing Joseph, who was the major hookup in his life, spiritually, right? God was blessing everything that he had. Dang it, but I have to get rid of him. And Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast uh, love and gave him favor in the sight of the keepers of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was, he, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Many commentators believe that he believed his wife was lying and that she actually, he knew that she had, you know, been unfaithful to him, and who knows what that marriage was like. Point being, he would have been killed and beheaded based on this accusation of sexual assault, and especially to one of the great generals of the Egyptian army. And there he goes, puts him in the king's prison. And that's the reward you get sometimes, friends, for doing the right thing. You might lose your job. You might lose your job because you don't go along with everybody else and you feel tempted like, hey, everyone's cheating the system and they're getting a little extra over here and you might lose your job because of it. You might lose some friends. You might lose a relationship, but you'll keep your character. You'll be able to stand strong. You'll be able to look yourself in the mirror saying, I made the right decision. I wonder if this, this, that verse that we shared at the beginning, God causes all things to work together for good. I don't know if he fully understood it at that moment, but he will later on when we get to the end of the book of Genesis. Here's a, a fifth and final one for you to take away, for us to grab. Call on the Lord when facing temptation. He knows what you face. Have you ever felt sort of embarrassed, like, oh, I don't want the Lord to know that I'm struggling right now, but I know that he's the Lord. He knows everything I'm thinking right now, and he knows what's going on. You know, it's great to say, God, I am so struggling. God, I am so failing. I am overwhelmed right now by what I'm facing. You know what's so great? 
is that the Lord doesn't say, this is the life I want you to live. Now pull up your bootstraps, right, and, and figure it out. This is that moment where we learn so much from people who walk through the brokenness of, of recovery and, and, and uh, addiction. They've got it figured out. You know what they figured out? That they've got nothing figured out. <laughs> and you show up and you say, hey, this is who I am, and I'm a friggin' mess. We would all do a lot better in our real time with God say, Lord, I'm a giant mess. I got some real struggles, and I'm struggling right now, and I'm facing a battle, and I don't know how to overcome it. See, that's the key. The Spirit of the Lord comes and takes over our lives when you and I just surrender and say, God, I'm unable to master this, but I know that through you, I can overcome. When I allow you to take over my life and my journey, I can overcome anything that I face. That prayer Jesus told us to pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Hebrews 4.16 says, let, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Our time of need and that moment of temptation is certainly a time we need God's grace. Ask Him for strength. Call upon the Lord. Ask Him to help you and to show you the escape route. But call on Him when you fail and you fall. I don't know why it is. It's the devil's like, hey, you should do this. Like, this is fun. Everybody's doing it, right? He throws that bait out there, and then you fail, and he's like, oh my gosh, you're going to call yourself a good Christian? Oh, you're a worker at church, and you do this, and you do that? Wow, what kind of good Christian are you? And you're just like, wait a minute, I thought we were best friends five minutes ago, right? And he comes and he puts the, the uh, um, not guilt, but shame upon us. You call on the Lord, Lord, forgive me. First John 1 John 1.9, the Christian bar of soap. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse me of my sins, right? To forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. I said a quote a couple weeks back by Spurgeon. He said, God loves forgiving you more than you love sinning. Do you believe that today? You know what's so great is as we sit here this morning, every one of us, including myself, has went like, boy, you're a loser. You fall. You give in. You're not like Joseph. By the way, Joseph was a sinner too who needed forgiveness. We just use this great moment of overcoming in his life to give us some tools to help us learn how to become overcomers in our facing of temptation. If you have been struggling, compromising, confess it today. You know, we close out a time of worship. It's not so that diapers can get changed or that, you know, kids can finish up their little craft. We close with a time of worship so that you and I could do some business with God. It's not like, oh, I could be the first out, you know, for my mile walk out to my car. Take a moment and say, Lord, what are you, what are you asking me to deal with today? It's possible to overcome, but for you, what is it? Staying away from the edge of the cliff, hiding God's word in your heart, thinking about consequences, practicing fleeing, calling upon the Lord when you face temptation, of trying to do it on your own. What's the one thing that you need to start practicing? Write it down, and this week, get after it. You just start practicing that one thing you take away this morning, and you will find that a strength will rise up in your life. Are you going to be perfect? No. This is why we are so grateful for grace. I'm saved by grace. Every person in this room that's truly saved is saved by grace and not by works. And thank God for that. But you becoming more and more like Jesus is how, uh, you, how it happens is you and I become men and women that 
begin to overcome temptation in our life and we find a strength and our character begins to look and, and reflect more and more of our Savior Jesus in our life. If you need prayer today, we've got teams on each side. Man, just go to them. You don't need to tell them what you're going through. You can. You can say, here's what I'm facing. Can you pray for me? I'd love to see it happening after our service as well. And then maybe you're sitting here this morning. Today you're sitting here and you're thinking in your life. You know, Joseph, what, that, you, that you're not, you don't have this relationship with God. You, you, don't, you don't really know him personally. Joseph wasn't the only person who faced pain because of somebody else's sin. Joseph, in so many ways, is a picture and type of who Jesus Christ is and would become. As Jesus went to the cross, not for his sins, but for our sins, paid dearly for our sins as he gave up his own life, absorbed all of God's wrath for sin that sin deserved because God is just. And Jesus hung there on the cross and took our sin so that you and I might be forgiven and we might be in a restored relationship with our creator. That's how a person has a relationship with God. You don't have a relationship with God by trying harder or trying to be a good person or going to church or reading your Bible. A person becomes a child of God when they come to that moment in life where they surrender their hearts to him. They acknowledge to him that they've sinned and they've broken his commands. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah that went to the cross and uh, died for our sins and he rose again from the dead. And then they confess him as Savior and Lord. Paul says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a great gift. For John, John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but ha would have eternal life. Is it that simple? It's that simple. You come to that moment, God, I surrender. I choose to believe in you. I love hearing and seeing when God is doing that in our midst. Some of our friends and loved ones that have committed their lives to Jesus the last 12 months. But maybe you're here this morning. Today's your day. Today's your day to say, God, today I, I'm willing to, I want to surrender to you. I want a relationship with you. I want strength when I'm facing the battles in life. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Would you all pray with me now? Father, thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. We thank you, Jesus, for your word that gives us such a great story of overcoming. The Lord Joseph is going to face a lot more, and he's going to face his brother's literally face-to-face -face and have that moment when he can uh, acknowledge that he has forgiven them. Lord, what a glorious moment in your word when we see a family restored and brothers restored. And Father, I'm praying right now that you help each one of us, God, as we talk about temptation today. There's one principle that we need to practice in our life this week, and so I pray that we'll be faithful to execute it, Lord, and to do our best, Lord Jesus, to, to really just Lord, to allow you to help us to become those men and women that overcome.